Are you ready? Let's do it. Hey guys, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jen. And And you're listening to Fathomless. So we have our second episode of the day. Um, The Martha Moxley murder was crazy, huh? So fucking sad. Yeah. So sad. So sad. So that happened around Halloween, and we figured we'd kind of give you a murder case and then kind of do something on the opposite end of the spectrum and do like a... Little urban. haunted history, urban legend, yeah. kind of. Yeah, because it's you Halloween know. and you deserve some spooky yeah. stuff. Something spooky, so. So, take it away, Amanda. Yeah, I'm so excited t- to hear about this. Yep, so today we are going to talk about the New England Vampire Panic. Ooh, my yes. God. Is this like the Satanic Panic? Yes, pretty, very close, you know. We're all about our mass hysteria. Yep. So... I'm going to start by taking you to uh, Exeter, Rhode Island, and at the Baptist Church Cemetery, you will find the grave of a girl named Mercy Brown. And this is pretty much a normal grave, besides the fact that her headstone is anchored down by an iron bar so that people can't steal it. And uh, people actually also leave offerings there. So if you go there today, you will find gifts left for Mercy. And these are not flowers or, you know, things like that. Uh, People leave cough drops and plastic vampire teeth. What the fuck? Yep. Can we go here? Yes, we can. I actually know exactly where it is. It's not that far from, like, where I am. Oh, my God. Is it, like, respectful to go there first? I mean, as long as you're not being, you know, rude and vandalizing the grave. I feel like you're not not doing anything wrong. But I I feel like a lot of people have like certain opinions on like dark tourism yeah i mean it's not for everyone but i mean as long as you're always doing it with you know respect in mind i feel like yeah. it there's nothing wrong with that yeah. kind of like you how know, we visited the lady of the dunes yeah exactly grave and we left her like crystals yeah and like people leave flowers and stuff for are her are we gonna do so. that yeah we can we can do that again yeah lady of the dunes no not oh, go lady there the but dunes, like cover, cover the case. case oh god yeah, yeah. i want to cover and Tony Chop Chop. Yes. But right, go on. Yes. So anyway, so back in 1892, months after Mercy Brown died, she was actually accused of being a vampire. So. So like the witch trials, but the yes. vampire trials. And this is 200 years after the witch trials, mind you. We didn't learn after the witch trials. Oh, God. No. Oh, my God. We'll never learn. But it was the late 1800s, and the Brown family was living in Exeter, Rhode Island. Unfortunately, like most people living in this era, their family did get plagued by diseases. Tuberculosis, which was known at the time as consumption, was actually what took over the family, unfortunately. So at the time, there really wasn't much known about the disease. It wasn't until, I mean, it was around that year that they were starting to find out what actually caused tuberculosis, but evidence did not, or not evidence, but newts did not travel fast back in the 1800s, especially, you know, to rural farming communities in New England. It was more like the big cities like Boston and New York that this information would be kind of circulated around. Then months and years later, it would get out to the farmlands and, you know, the 
the rural communities that surrounded the cities. So little was known at the time in Exeter about the disease. It was really just thought that like some tragic thing was sucking the lives out of these people because I don't know if you know much about tuberculosis, but that's really what it, it looks like, is that like your life is being taken out of you. And uh, just to give you an idea of how medicine went at this time, I mean, I can only imagine 1800s. 18, so 1892 was around the same time that doctors stopped bloodletting people with leeches. So, I mean, can see where our scientific minds are at. It, there, it was, you know, modern medicine wasn't very modern yet. So mix that with, uh, you know, some crazed puritanical morals and views in some small rural communities. And you have a pretty strong recipe for a superstition cocktail. God. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So 1884, the Browns family was devastated when they lost the matriarch of their home, Mary Eliza. And then the eldest daughter, Mary Olive, was quick to follow her mother. Both died of consumption. A few years later, in 1891, Mercy Brown also contracted the, the disease. Mercy succumbed to her symptoms pretty quickly. Now, unlike her mother and her sister, when Mercy passed, it was the middle of winter, which obviously in Rhode Island, everything's freezing. So she wasn't put into the ground, into a grave immediately. She was actually kept in a above-ground mausoleum until the spring when they would be able to bury her body. Kind of like the graveyard where... Tony Chop Chop. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's a common thing because, like, obviously, when the ground's frozen, you, you can't, can't dig. dig. So they would keep them in the crypts or the mausoleums until it was the springtime. Yeah. Just keep so that in mind. She was basically in. They a, don't do that today, big, right? I mean, they're they're in like mortuaries, mortuaries yeah. now. So but it's, they can it's very bury different. people in the winter now, right? I mean, yeah, you can you can you know dig. You know, they use like excavators and stuff not like a big one but yeah okay. they, don't, they don't wait i mean most people get cremated now i feel sorry like, if that was a dumb question but yeah i had to ask i mean no it wasn't a dumb question no. okay, i don't ever say you. that but but yeah it i'm it's not like that now they're not just leaving people in mausoleums for months but just keep in mind that she essentially was in a giant concrete freezer for a few months before she was buried yep that is uh pretty important so shortly after mercy passed her brother edwin also fell ill and Edwin was clinging to life, and the villagers started talking to George Brown, the father, saying that there was likely an undead family member sucking the life force out of Edwin. And they recommended that he exhume the bodies of his wife and two daughters mm -hmm. to see if one of them was doing this. Really? Yes. Now, great mindset. It, I mean, this was kind of a common practice. It was very, like I said, you know, things were very superstitious back then. So they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know where these diseases came from. You know, it was, you know, just kind of was their mindset. Yeah, it was very weird. Salem was, witch trialy vibe. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't really use the term vampire, but it was, you know, demon spirit. You know whatever but it was pretty much described as what the modern day vampire is it was a undead human that was coming back and they were taking you know they were using the life force of somebody else to continue to stay alive so they would look for things like 
a body that wasn't fully decomposed, that still had blood inside of it, that looked like it was still alive. And obviously that was a sign that it was a vampire. So, it was believed that, you know, it was like a curse, almost. Now, tuberculosis is a nasty disease in the late stages, like we said. It looks like the life is literally being sucked out of you. And people didn't understand that, like, it was a respiratory illness that's passed through, like, you know, people, like, respiratory part of it, yeah. coughing on each other and stuff. So, it they didn't understand why everyone in the family would get affected by it when it was kind of pretty obvious, you know, if the mother's getting sick, the eldest daughter's going to take care of her, and she's going to contract it, so on and so forth. The same thing happens in any sickness today. If you're in a yeah, house exactly. and sick, you're probably going to get it, sick. Literally, I was sick last week. Now my boyfriend's sick, so. I, I've been refusing to kiss my husband for the past couple days, so. It was just him just being near me. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. So, back to the Browns. Like I said, George Brown and the community were suspicious of the deaths, so he exhumed the body of his wife and two daughters. And he did this with the town doctor and a newspaper journalist from the town. And obviously, both Mary, Eliza and Mary Olive's bodies were pretty much decomposed the way that they thought they would be. that's just totally disturbing their peace. Yes. Yep. Uh, Just wait, girl. Just wait. (laughs) Um, Now, Mercy's body was uh, a little different. She did not look like she had decomposed much at all, or not to the extent that they thought that she should have been, based on the fact that she had been dead for a little while now. It had been, like, like a couple months, I believe, like a year. So they noticed that she still looked very much intact. She wasn't skeletalized. There was actually still traces of uh, blood in her heart. So they automatically assumed that, you know, this means that she is undead and coming, you know, coming back from the grave to to attack her family members, which is not the case. She was literally kept in a freezer for months before she was buried. That is going to slow the process of decomposition. Just like in the New Bedford Highway Killer, how we were talking about, you know, it's 90 degree weather. That is going to cause a body to rapidly decompose. Yeah. When a body is frozen... And held, it, like, in a, halts the process. held in a fucking concrete box for months, that is going to halt the process of decomposition. And the doctor didn't... Well, unfortunately, science wasn't really a thing back yeah, then. Yeah, and yeah. A, a small rural town doctor probably did not know much about that. Don't think he was going to Harvard Medical School, you know? It's, like, I always wonder, like, how people could even be considered, like, doctors back then. It was somebody who had the most knowledge in the town of medicine, basically. Yeah. Like, whatever, you didn't whatever have knowledge degree. there was of yeah. what medicine was even around. Exactly. And, like, Which wasn't let's much. go to those 1800s. A lot of times they were giving people, like, heroin and coke. Like, and alcohol. And yeah. being, like, you know, they thought that women had hysteria and needed to go to, like, sanitariums. Like, it was not a... I mean, that was a little bit later on. But still. It just... It was not, you know... Unfortunately, they were very uneducated. Yeah. So. Uh, when they exhumed the bodies and they noticed that Mercy was very different, they had to uh, do what was the common practice for dealing with a vampire which was they removed Mercy's heart and liver, burned them to a crisp, 
collected the ashes and mixed them with water to make an elixir to give to Edwin to cure him of the curse. Did he know? Yep. Oh, this was a this was a common practice. Sorry. Which I'm sorry. Is... Yeah. If my if my dad was like, okay, time to drink the ashes of your dead sister to cure your tuberculosis, <laughs> like Nope, not for me. Yeah, hard pass for me. Hard fucking pass. Did that kill him? It did not kill him, but I'm sure it does not come as a shock to you that about two months later he did succumb to his illness and die. I'm sure drinking ashes can't make you not sick either. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, he probably, I mean, I can only imagine, but it, I mean, the tuberculosis definitely is what took him up. Yep. And again, Mercy's body was buried after being desecrated. Yep. So Mercy Brown is one of the most prolific names in the Great Vampire Panic, but she was not the only person whose grave was dug up and desecrated in New England. Uh, In Bennington County, Vermont, in 1790, decades before Mercy Brown, there was a woman named Holda Burton who was also dying of consumption. However, her husband, Deacon Isaac Burton, was convinced that his first wife had something to do with it, even though she had been dead for years. Oh, my God. So Isaac exhumed the body of his first wife, Rachel, who was actually also Holda's stepsister. So, like, his wife died, and he just married his wife's stepsister. Oh, my God. That's like, scandalous. Yeah, come on. Uh, so, of course, once again, the body was exhumed. They noticed that she was not as far along as they thought she was for decomposition. So they removed her lungs, liver, and heart. And they were burnt in a blacksmith's forge in front of the entire town. And then, again, mixed with water and fed to Hulda, who also, again, passed away within the following months because it did nothing to cure her. Yeah. And... There are records from the same year in New Ipswich, New Hampshire, where an unnamed resident suffered the same fate. Body was exhumed, organs were removed, and burnt for an elixir to cure some townspeople. Back to Bennington, Vermont. Um, you know, there's a Bennington Triangle. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I mean, with my New England research, yeah. not only is there a Bridgewater Triangle, which we're absolutely going to do oh yeah there's a pennington triangle oh my god yeah so i'll uh probably make that an episode Ooh. at some point yeah oh my god. i'm gonna look that up yeah that's so cool so then we have in south woodstock vermont frederick ransom died on february 14th 1817 at the age of 20 and his father was worried that ransom would attack his family so he had him exhumed had his heart burned and Ransom was actually a Dartmouth College student from a well-to-do family, so it was pretty unusual for a well-to-do educated family to fall victim to vampire panic because it's more common among the less educated communities, but obviously his dad was fucking superstitious as all hell or something, but yeah. And then in 1854 in Jewett City, Connecticut, townspeople exhumed several corpses of um, even children suspected of being vampires that were rising from the graves to kill the living and same thing bodies were removed organs were burned but their bodies were also actually severed and then the body parts were placed back into the 
casket casket like they it was almost like they were drawn and quartered i don't know if you know what that means so drawn and quartered that's like a, a medieval term for basically they like like remove the arms remove the legs like slice up the torso take the head off like everything wow and then they just um, threw all the parts back in the casket and threw all the parts really back in the casket. um so because more than you know a century later in the 1990s some local boys actually found a bunch of unmarked graves on a gravel pit near an old mine and the uh community thought that you know i mean there's a bunch of like random family cemetery plots all throughout the woods in new england oh yeah i mean i grew up there was probably three or four smallpox cemeteries in the woods behind my house yeah there's like you'll randomly drive through towns and just see a random yep, grave. just a like, little like with like maybe 10 to 15 stones there's there's one in taunton it's like by a baseball field it's yeah. like li- you've driven by you know taunton oh yeah it just like five graves on the edge of a baseball field. I'm yep. like, oh my god! And then the witch tree yep. in Middleborough, yep, where there's only like a handful because they're usually in those areas. There wasn't a a town cemetery. People were just buried at the edge of their property. Yeah, they had family plots just you know in the corner of their land, and that was it. Is the witch tree in the Bridgewater Triangle? I mean, it's Middleborough, so yeah. I tried to do research on the on the witch tree. There's nothing because it's not a real witch tree. I know it's, just it's a family. Legend. It's a family. I know, but it's there a is smallpox cemetery. So it is. It's a family cemetery, but there's nothing on the family. There's nothing about the urban legend of the witch tree online either. So. It's just a story from the kids. You yeah, know, it's like Bloody Mary. It's like our. It's literally it's our area's urban legend. Yeah, the witch tree's cool. If you're in Middleborough or from the area and you yeah. haven't heard of it, we'll direct you. Yeah. the witch tree also for those of you who just heard me say smallpox cemetery like eight times in a row and don't know what that is because you're not from new england uh basically you know it's one of the oldest areas in the united states like we were just saying um smallpox was one of the biggest things that killed a bunch of people in the 1600s so yeah a lot of those times when those family members died they would just take their bodies and bury them somewhere in a family plot on their property yeah which now you know as the woods have grown back and taken over the land and you know things have changed there's just random little cemetery plots everywhere so when they found these bodies they assumed that that was probably what it was until they started exhuming the graves and they noticed that the bodies like the skeletons and like the corpses were literally like mangled and like the heads the heads were where like the feet should be and the feet were up where the head should be and like it was just not normal and that's, you know, when archaeologists, I don't know why I said anthropologists, but that's when, you know, everyone started kind of looking into it a little bit more and they noticed that, you know, they were also part of the vampire panic. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's believed that probably like a couple hundred people wow. came to this wow. problem. Yeah. Which, I mean, tuberculosis really, it did a fucking number on people. There was no cure for it then. And it, you know, the whole germ theory didn't really come out until like a couple years later so yeah people didn't understand why their whole family was getting sick yeah and lastly we're going to talk about the gravesite of Nellie Vaughn and Nellie wasn't necessarily a part of the initial vampire panic but her name came up a bunch and basically the story goes that in the 1960s a teacher in Rhode Island was telling his students about the great vampire panic of new england and was telling them the story of mercy brown but he did not use any names so 
the students took it upon themselves to go searching the local cemeteries to see if they could find the so-called vampire girl's grave. And that is when they came across the strange gravesite of Nellie Vaughn. And a little bit about her, Nellie was about 18 or 19 years old when she passed. She died of pneumonia, which was, you know, common. a common thing back then. And uh, her gravesite was actually in West Greenwich, Rhode Island. And at the base of her headstone, there was a really ominous saying etched into it that said, I am waiting and watching for you. Which does sound really weird. It, now It depends on the context. So if you're thinking vampire, sounds super weird. However, it was likely because she was 18 when she died. She probably died before like her parents, before her siblings. So it was more of a like sentimental. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for you to come to heaven. To, for you to come join me. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, if you're thinking, you know, in the other, yeah, if yeah. you're thinking in another mindset, it, you know, is a little different. Now, another thing was townspeople noticed that no lichen or moss ever grew on Nellie's headstone and all of the grass around her grave was dead. No plants grew around her grave. And it, in fact, looked like the ground was actually sinking in all around her grave. So do we know where her grave is today? Um, so it's uh, unfortunately um, there is it's unmarked now. They had to remove the headstone because people were being assholes. Yes, uh, people were not as kind to Nellie's grave as people were to Mercy Brown's grave. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, so it was stolen a couple times. So it got to the point where the town just decided to remove it. So there's just kind of a blank spot where her grave is now. That's really fucking sad. Which is very sad. But I mean, it is a very weird story. And then people do say that in the graveyard, they've seen a woman in Victoria era clothing. And then they've also heard a woman saying, I am perfectly pleasant near the gravesite. Like trying to defend herself. Yeah. So, like, I mean, no, possibly. Yeah. Like, and that's really sad that, like, some high, do you know what year, like, the students? It was the 60s. So, these students basically ruined it for her. Yeah. Because they tried to do their own. I mean, I just, even if you're doing dark tourism like that, you got to go in. Like we said, be being respectful. respectful. Like, we, like, Tony Chop Chop case, I don't think it's very well known, but um, Morbid did a really great episode on it, and me and Amanda were so infatuated with that case that we drove down to Truro, Mass, which is at, like, the point of the Cape, and we went into the woods behind this really spooky graveyard and walked for hours. We walked for hours on these fire roads trying to find the spot where, you know, Tony Chop Chop, Tony Costa took his victims lives and not in any sort of disrespectful way but like you know true crime enthusiasts you guys understand it's close to home so you know like it it was just something we wanted to see yeah and we wanted to go um see like the lady of the dunes site and then we put two and two together and found that like tony chop chop and lady of the dunes are in the same graveyard they are yeah so and we found both far from each other so tony costa um does not have a marked grave no because of what he did and people would absolutely vandalize it yeah but we do know where he's buried because it was said that he's buried next to his mother yes we we were able to find her headstone so Due to some, uh, we just kind of gave yeah. him the finger. 
Yeah, but we didn't I mean, do anything. I don't think I would. I, like, I could never even if it, desecrate something. Even if he grave, had a that's grave, terrible. yeah. Even if he had a grave, just give him the finger, move on. Yeah, but you don't. You never touch. You don't need to vandalize. You don't need to vandalize stone. No, steal it. Like, just not necessary. So yeah, unfortunately, Nelly does not have a headstone, but uh, she is still buried in Greenwich. Okay, and yeah. I mean, that is really all I have. Like I said, it was going to be like a little, little quick spooky case. But now does uh, Mercy, is there any stories of any like hauntings? Not that I could find. I mean, it didn't really say anything. It just said that people like to come and visit the, the cemetery. But yeah, nothing spooky. I think we should go next time I come down your way. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Maybe there's some cough drops or something. Anything. Uh, crystals. I'm down. Let's do pennies. But I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about the great New England vampire. Panic. I did. That was a really cool episode. Just Not little, what uh, I was expecting. Fun little haunted history for you. Yeah, I love that. Um, so, and, uh, yeah. ha- happy Halloween, happy everybody. Halloween, I hope you enjoyed having two episodes today um so we're gonna leave it at that so stay spooky stay scary and stay stay safe. safe